Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times. And we also have podcasts. Podcasts are at uh, uh, basically uh, richarddugan.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations. You folks are reposting our interviews, too. Thank you for doing that. I greatly appreciate that. It, uh, I'm a one-man band here at Tell Me Your Story, and uh, I, I don't know all of the locations of all of the sites and so on and so forth. So thank you for, uh, uh, for, for doing that. Uh, we also encourage you to go to our guest's website. We'll be giving that to you shortly so that you can continue your evolutionary and transformational process. Uh, we also want you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, uh, and go within, spend some time uh, in that peaceful, still, calm place. We hope that you will do just that. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing because you like the work we are doing, it resonates with you, please support us financially. That's why we have PayPal and Patreon account links on the homepage uh, of uh, Tell Me Your Story of RichardDugan.com so you can support us financially. Any amount is welcome, and we'll even take energetic support as well. Our program today focuses on a very small, a very blue marble. That is floating out in space. And if you haven't figured it out yet, of course, it's the Earth. And we're going to talk about the Earth uh, and the ramifications thereof with a couple of uh, gals who are joining us here on the program. Co-wrote one book in particular called Unto... I beg your pardon. Let's try that one again. Do Unto Earth. It's not too late. Penelope Jean Hayes and Carol Sarian... Uh, and it is uh, Borgians. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the program. And then there's a, th- I even missed the last name, uh, Chandler. And welcome all of you to the program. Thank you for having us. I, I hope you. I got all of those names correct. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying, Carol. <laughs> Carol Serene Borgans. I got that right. Okay. Carol Serene Borgens. I got it right. I'll be darned. I'm happy that I did that because uh, I want you to know that uh, your name is important and that's why it was given to you or you took it and it needs to be pronounced correctly, ladies and gentlemen. I, I take I take umbrage with uh, with the f- folks on Ellis Island who basically if they couldn't pronounce the person's name, they changed it. And it's like, really? So uh, anyway, so that's that's enough of that. Anyway, you folks have put together, you two have put this together, along with a couple of compendiums, if you will, The Likely Future, Volumes 1 and 2. Volume 1 is uh, uh, basically having to do with the short and long-term uh, guideline, uh, guidance uh, from the source, as well as part, Volume 2, which is uh, The Likely Future, um, Briefings from the Rest of the Story, uh, Briefings from Pax, I beg your pardon, the rest of the story. Pax is someone we're going to be focusing on or an, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a group, what have you. We'll find out. Uh, but again, this is very interesting because many people are very concerned about where we are today and where we're going. And in some cases, based upon where we've been and you ladies have uh, connected with this. Can I, do, do I want to say a single entity or is this a collective that refers to itself as PACs? 
This is a collective that refers to itself as Pax, and you will hear me refer to Pax as him. Okay. Um, but it is the divine wisdom source, collected energy. Okay. And uh, to that end, the information that has been gathered and is being shared, of course, with us today, uh, that is shared in your books, in your uh, the books that I have mentioned thus far, uh, is um, not necessarily dire. Uh, it's not doomsday by any means, but it is certain a, a, a call to awareness uh, to do something. And I, I have not really gotten any real heavy discussions with people, for example, about climate change. Uh, but if I were to, I would push the climate change science aside and say, don't you think we should just clean up our home? I mean, <laughs> really? So mm -hmm. talk to me, and I'm not sure who wants to start here, whether Penelope uh, or Carol, you want to start. And normally when I have more than one person on, I will... Uh, throw it to a particular person, but you ladies know this information better than I. So uh, who who will start us off, Penelope or Carol? Well, I'm going to springboard off of what Carol said regarding Pax's introduction, okay. because this is so important, we find, for people to understand exactly who Pax is. And in addition to Carol's explanation, when we asked in the book, Do Unto Earth, you know, who exactly are you? The description from Pax was quite jaw-dropping and it was and this is a direct quote we are one with the universe not the universe alone we are the divine universe yes and the god being and the greater wisdom that which knows and supports all and is healing non-judgmental and tolerant all seeing all knowing and peace end mm. quote so i think it's important for people to understand the size and scale of this spirit messenger that we have in these amazing and inspiring books. And they are urgent. It's a message due unto earth as a message for healing our planet. And Pax has told us that we have eight to 12 years before this planet reaches a fail safe point, And that is the point of no return, not the end of the world. But if we don't change our trajectory, that would be the point in which repair is too late. So it's certainly an urgent message, but we like to say that it's a call to action. And it's a call to action like no other book on the environment. It's not a boring book on the environment, and it's not even a book explaining all of our environmental issues or problems. It's a book of solutions, and it's a long love letter to humanity. It's absolutely mm -hmm. engrossing and interesting and you know, you'll be on the edge of your seat reading it from page one. It's absolutely fascinating. Well, let's start maybe from the beginning here. First of all, who was initially... Well, first of all, let me talk about or ask you about the connection that you and Carol have. So Carol channels Pax, and as she will tell you, she's been channeling Pax for many decades. And Carol and I met more recently. It was in 2019. And my, uh, we're both authors in our own right before coming together for the books that we have authored together with PAX. And my background is as a journalist and as someone who studies something called viral enology, which is the study of viral energy. So those are the things I was working on, the viral energy implications and impacts for planet Earth and the wellness for our environment. And I met Carol, who channels PAX, this incredible source of wisdom 
So to make a long story short, we had been acquainted. And one day I received a phone call or it could have been an email. I can't recall a contact from Carol saying, you know what, PAX would actually like to work together and lend some wisdom and support into what I was working on, which is the Viral Energy Institute. And that quickly became from information and wisdom for the Viral Energy Institute that developed very quickly into, you know what, these need to be in book form. Everybody needs access to this. And so to make a long story short, then we got a publisher on board very quickly and the rest is history. Yeah, I hear that phrase a lot, making a long story short. We just started the interview. We have plenty of time. So the long story would have been okay, too. <laughs> we uh, can but, talk for a long time, Richard. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of, I think we have a lot of things to talk about yes. because it isn't just about the physical planet and what we're doing to it that is the problem here. Uh, it's also the physical planet and what we're doing to it on a mental and emotional and even on a spiritual level. If I Am I anywhere close to a correct? Absolutely. And that that is the viral energy impact. So those are the things that I was working on, the impact of the viral energy, and that can be the light or the heavy. So these are implication and impacts that leave masses or pockets or tumors, if you will, upon society and upon the earth. And then what Carol and Pax brought into the mix was so much more. In Do Unto Earth, we have real solutions to real environmental problems and things that people can do, make changes in their home. You talked about, you know, cleaning up your house and there are things that we can do today that would make a great impact and a great difference. Oh, absolutely. I, I live in Santa Barbara. I live uh, above the city up on the hill as I, as I call it. I've been taken to task about that, by the way, uh, saying I don't know my <laughs> geography and it's like, well, I know it's a mountain, but it just feels like a hill okay oh i uh, love santa barbara yeah molly's treacheria yeah so i um <laughs> i know that uh living where i do at the summit of the highway 154 that i am not about if i lived in a building or structure below where i live now mm -hmm. i would not be changing my oil and just letting it roll down the hill uh to my neighbors i just i wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it, you know, for, for a myriad of reasons I won't even go into it. Just, it's like, come on. And so, uh, and yet that's kind of what we're doing is we're, you know, we don't care. Many people just don't care. And I, I hear all of these different arguments against many of the, uh, the new energy sources, uh, whether it be wind or solar or whatever the, the form is. And I even read an article not long ago, but there's a guy who's actually working on a car that has a fusion powered engine. And I'm going, okay, I'm not getting behind you. Uh, I'd rather, I'd rather behind, I'd rather be behind a Pinto. Okay. And if you don't know folks what that is, Google it. Carol. Well, Pax speaks of fusion actually, and, and yeah. it is the future. So well, let's, let's jump to not foreign to us. Let's okay. Well, let's jump to Carol and Pax. First of all, Carol, uh, how did you first, uh, how and when were you first introduced to Pax? How did that happen? I was having studied all things metaphysical. I was drawn towards learning automatic writing and being self-taught. I would sit in my office with paper and pen 
and kind of hope and wait something would happen. Ultimately, I did get some messages from some spirits that were just looking to communicate with anybody. Um, I persevered through that. Uh, one evening, this would be in the early to mid-1990s, I received quite a shock because as my pen was on the paper and I had been writing, um, everything shifted. The energy, the handwriting style, uh, even the overall feeling in the room. And the writing began to come through and it was an introduction from PAX. Um, and it was presented in such a way that I was told that he was looking to connect with someone who would agree to be his channel for the specific purpose of bringing his words into book form so that they may be shared with humanity. He had teaching to do. He wanted to talk to us about the environment. He wanted to talk about spreading love. He wanted to teach people about um, inner strength and empowerment. He had so much that he wanted to teach and share with the world. And would I do that? Um, I recognized that was quite a responsibility and I asked for time um, that I could think about that. So it was somewhere a week to possibly two weeks that I came to terms with it and, and I agreed to do so. Um, initially, when I asked why me, I was told in these specific words, <clears throat> because you are new at this, you have no bad habits and you will change none of my words. On that basis, um, we agreed to go forward and uh, we did so. And I have been channeling packs ever since that time, um, split between two areas. One is channeling his wisdom onto myriads of, of sheets of paper that I collected in uh, file folders, not quite being sure how I was going to get them into book form and out to the world. And the other side of it was doing private readings for individuals um, that were extremely beneficial for people looking to find their true purpose in this lifetime. I've been doing that since the mid nineties and it was just as Penelope explained very recently that the two of us came together and we, uh, created what we're now speaking of. In terms of books previously, I channeled uh, two children's books filled with Pax mm -hmm. Wisdom, um, which are quite delightful. But in terms of reaching out to the world and our original purpose, it came together with uh, Penelope and I um, combining our, our gifts and our talents, if you will, to, to create these books do unto earth in the likely future. And here we are today, enjoying enjoying our work. Do you find the ability to channel packs uh, to be a lot of fun or is it heavy responsibility? It is 
my greatest gift in my life. It is, I finally know now what I'm going to be when I grow up. This is my, <laughs> this, well, I never did. This is my purpose in this lifetime. I call it a huge responsibility. I would not use the word heavy. It is a great responsibility. And yes, it is a lot of fun. Um, Pax has a very interesting and cute sense of humor, which is um, shown in his choice of words that he uses when he alternately praises and or scolds us for our behaviors towards Mother Earth. So it is a great responsibility. This is why it took me a couple of weeks uh, back there in the 90s to agree uh, to, to be the channel. Uh, anytime, anytime a spirit, and I always called Pax my spirit guide, I guess I still do, um, asks, a person to, to channel them for the purpose of sharing their wisdom with the world, that is a big responsibility. Mm. But in when I'm channeling, no matter for how long of a session, I am energized by it. It is a wonderfully good, light, love energy. It's never heavy. Mm. And Penelope, what about you? Do you have, uh, in, and Carol sort of mentioned your gifts, Hers is channeling. What what gifts do you bring to the table in regards to uh, to all of this? Uh, obviously, you mentioned that you you're a journalist a journalist, um, but what else what else do you bring? Anything supernatural in that regard, or spiritual, or mystical, metaphysical in that re in that respect? A combination of all of those things. Um, the the books are my questions, so the topics in terms of. Uh, the succession of what we talked about were born from my curiosities and the things that I was working on. And that's why PAX actually brought me into the mix as a result of what those questions and topics would be. And in addition to that, certainly I have had my spiritual journey as well, which started as a young child. And um, I have been involved in a spiritual journey, if you will, since my teenage years. I was a runaway at 15 years old and had simultaneously also dove into my spiritual journey and have read, you know, hundreds of books from the Dalai Lama, Dr. Deepak Chopra, um, from a very young age. And so it set into motion a journey for me in that way. The work that I do on a regular basis with viral energy is a spiritual work. It's a spiritual uh, practice. And um, I now have the Viral Energy Institute, which is part of that, and have written other books as well prior to this. So my purpose is um, a spiritual purpose. So I think that when you're dealing with this type of work, spirit chooses you as a result of that journey that you're on and that soul's mission that you're on and very specifically your intention as a person and intention with your work and the intention that you would bring to that collaboration. Hmm. Well, it's absolutely a spiritual journey. Yeah. You've actually put something out that certainly is, is something that people need to hear. And uh, one of the other aspects, too, is uh, on how understanding a global scale viral energy can help positive have a positive impact 
on our happiness, wellness, and peace on earth. And I've often thought about that whole aspect of peace on earth um, a long time ago. And someone then, of course, because I, I wasn't aware of who this person was at that time, uh, made the comment to me, said, well, yeah, but you, 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 we're not talking about outer peace necessarily, although it would be wonderful to have that, unless first you have inner peace. And so one of the things that I've also learned is that much of what's going on on the planet, especially the, I will call it the, the turmoil, whether it's human caused or whether it's nature, whether it's hurricanes, tsunamis, uh, earthquakes, high winds, heavy rains and flooding and so forth. Those to me, those are natural, but... And this maybe ties into what you're talking about here with this viral energy. And this was how it was explained to me. When you see those kinds of things, Richard, you need to ask yourself, what's going on, going on inside of me that could be contributing to that, uh, 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 I'll call it uh, um, uh, aggressive, if you will, energy in terms of those those various things that we we find uh, distressing and can 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 really turn our lives upside down. Is that the kind of viral sure. energy we're speaking about that sure. we're, we're generating it and then we generate all this other stuff outside yeah. of ourselves? Yes, you've opened up about three different perspectives. <laughs> As I usually this. do. <laughs> and, you know, your, to your last point, it, you know, a mirroring, if you will, of the inner turmoil and you've got the, the macro, which you see on a global scale, to what's going on inside of us and that's as individuals and as well as societies and populations so of course there's that mirroring and also a lot of people think that the increased hurricanes and increased you know weather um crises mm -hmm. and cataclysms could also be anthropogenic which is man-made so these things would go back to global warming um Climate change, which used to be called global warming before it was marketed up to sound a little bit um, easier to take. So there are certainly people that would believe that those um, large events um, globally, weather pattern wise, would be tied into pollution and what we're doing to our planet, the greenhouse gas emissions, our use of fossil fuels. So there is that way of looking at it. And bringing it back to the first um, mention that you had um, in terms of the viral energy masses upon the planet, it's also to be considered that the viral energy of our attitudes, this political climate, the things going on with um, our feelings about the virus, um, the emotional impacts of everything that's going on in our time right now, creates these pockets, these masses, these tumors, if you will, of many different types mm -hmm. of energy and they range from the light energy of love and compassion and all of those good things um, joy happiness forgiveness to the heavy and negative pockets mm -hmm. in different places and we feel that right now with our political environment for one thing in the united states we certainly feel that so those things and it's also to be considered that there are energies put in place by first nations peoples to protect certain areas of the planet from being further damaged by our anthropogenic ways of um, pollution and we talk about that in do to earth as well it's very interesting that um, i had a series of questions around that again because of what interests me 
And Pax absolutely confirmed and went so much further to my imagination to describe the energy put in place by First Nations peoples in certain areas that would protect the natural environment. And in those places, you might, you know, you can think of Hawaii and certain volcanoes. And you can um, imagine that that energy put in place would keep people away, keep certain people away from developing that land and therefore um, protected in that way. So, you know, speaking of viral energy on a global scale, there are several different perspectives and implications of that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I try to keep things fairly simple um, in, in terms of understanding how things work and, and, um, you know, for example, I know that in ecosystems, as, as I was sort of taught by one of my uh, men's group uh, uh, participants back in, the, in 1983, we would go hiking in the hills around Phoenix and surrounding areas, the Superstition Mountains and so forth. And, and we used to talk about the ecosystem and, and how, how it functioned and so forth. And the thought always came to me of, of comparing that to the uh, internal combustion engine. You remove one small element of that engine and it won't function. And you do the same thing with uh, an ecosystem, whether it's, it doesn't matter where it is. You remove one element from somewhere in the middle of it and, it's, and, and you, you virtually destroy it. Now, one of the things that I'm curious about in terms of um, uh, uh, the, the research and study and so forth that you have done, there are those who say that, hey, what's the big deal? This is just a regular part of the cycle that this planet goes through, which may be true, but there are those, and you would probably be one of them, who would say, yeah, that may be true, but we've accelerated it by maybe hundreds of years. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I do ask PAX that. And of course, I do have my own opinion. And I ask that exact question, you know, that some people believe that the planet just goes through certain cycles. And this cycle of warming is one of those cycles. So his answer to that was, in short, that this is anthropogenic climate change, that this is different to other cycles. And that if you were to look at thousands and thousands of years of Earth's history with those cycles, it would look like this until we get to right now, modern times, and it goes like this. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we're still going up. So there's no climax to that yet. So these cycles, and this is something very different. So that was the answer. Mm. And Pax had said, for those people who don't believe that we have caused global warming, but they agree to a certain amount. You can see the pollution. You can see the plastic in our oceans. So you have to agree to a certain amount of man-made pollution. That he said that that they would agree to a certain responsibility in creating the problem. That they would agree to a certain responsibility in cleaning up the problem. Uh, you also spoke about our ecosystem and your experience in in the Phoenix area or in um, was it Phoenix area? Phoenix and the metropolitan area we, and surrounding. Yeah, areas, we have yeah. taken ourselves out of that ecosystem. So when you talk about that, you wouldn't drip oil down to your neighbor who lives below you. A lot of times, what we're seeing here is we've removed ourselves from the ecosystem in terms of our awareness of the chain of events. So yeah. garbage now just goes into a landfill, doesn't it, Richard? Mm -hmm. And it goes in, you know, it goes, even if we recycle, we don't know where these things go. We pack them up, they're out of our life. 
they've gone somewhere else and we've removed ourselves from that chain. Uh, the same can be said for how we procure our food. So we know that it comes in a package at the supermarket, but we have no awareness of the chain of events. We're no longer part of that ecosystem. So that's how we're able to drip oil on our neighbor below us. And everybody, you know, most people you would say is a good in, um, person, but we're all contributing in ways to our pollution crisis. And we're doing it through lack of mindfulness and having refused to become aware again of our place in the cycle and the other parts of that cycle. And that's how it happens. I I want to go to Carol here just in just a moment. Uh, I want to remind our listeners, this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And we're talking with both Penelope and Carol about the work that they have compiled and what we're talking about primarily taught today is do unto earth. It's not too late, uh, although it's it's getting close to late. Uh, I know this much. It's way past my bedtime. But uh <laughs> But one of the uh, one of the uh, questions that I have for for Carol uh, is, how aware were you before your introduction to PACS and concerned uh, about all of this that we are now talking about today? Was there a was there a moment, a catalytic moment of awakening for you? I had been aware. Yes, of course, had being a sensitive and an empath since childhood, being an old soul, all of these things impact me. And it was more of a slow burn than a cataclysmic awakening. And when I began with PAX, it was, as I say, in the 90s, early to mid 90s. And we were, we as a, as a, Humanity really uh, didn't have the awareness um, at that point that we do now about our polluting ways. Um, it, it It is something that's always bothered me. Um, but until I started working with PACs, it was never a focus. Mm. It just wasn't, uh, I'm sorry to say. But uh, it was when I began my work uh, with spirit that Clarity came. Yeah, you know, I, I, for for both of you, I, I hear these various arguments uh, or discussion pieces, if you will, uh, about the um, detrimental effects of solar power and wind power uh, because of what is required to be manufactured in order to generate that energy, whereas fossil fuels. Um, the, you know, you, all you do is you burn it and the energy's right there. And, uh, then of course, then you have the byproduct of the solar and uh, wind when they break down or they, uh, they outlive their usefulness, you know, they're, they don't, their material is only going to last for so long. Then that winds up in the landfill. And of course they even promote, uh, uh, nuclear power. And of course I'm sitting here going, how is that clean energy? First of all, most people don't pronounce it correctly. Nuclear, not nuclear. And, uh, it's like when the fuel rods are spent and what's interesting is only 15% of the fuel rod has to be spent before it can't be used anymore. And what do they do with it? Usually bury it in the ground. Which, on the one hand, is where it was in the first place before they dug it up and processed it. 
but now you've got this material and they are coming up with ways of trying to recycle it and use it in other fashion and so forth. But still, you've got these uh, these then these are sort of the arguments, if you will, that I hear against uh, the quote unquote clean uh, fuel sources. And I'm sitting here going, well, I believe wasn't it Tesla who had created, who had basically discovered that we could all have free energy through his inventions, but all of that stuff was destroyed because of money. It was all about well, money. J.P. Morgan told JP him, Morgan. if you can't put a meter on it, we don't want it. We don't want it, exactly. And especially mm-hmm. considering it was going to bite into his profits uh, when it came to copper wire. So, yeah. so here we have these two, what are seemingly diametrically opposed philosophies, mm-hmm. and yet there are people... And we mentioned uh, the, the, the one gentleman who is, is creating this fusion engine. And, let's, and, and then we'll talk about the, what Pax had to say okay. about it. Uh, so we've got people who are working on these things in spite of all of the efforts by various uh, agencies that will not be named here because I don't know the names of them. But we know that they're trying every which way they can to stop this kind of stuff, but they can't. You know, mm-hmm. you cannot stop an idea. You might stop an individual, but the idea is still out there. Um, mm-hmm. so how do, how do we address, what do we call them? Uh, the, the, the critics, the op- opposition, because the fact is we all live here, no matter which side mm-hmm. we're on in this, are in this discussion. Sure. I think that you can make an argument for or against anything. Okay. So in terms of people saying, you know, no to wind, no to solar. And I do want to tell you what PAC says about those because it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can make a case for or against anything. And at the end of the day, follow the money and you will see where the intentions are set and the cases that individuals are trying to make on both sides of that argument. Mm-hmm. So the consumer drives the follow the money issue. So it is up to us. There's always going to be companies that will either be getting the fossil fuel building the pipelines, all of the things that we complain about, and then we still put gas in our cars. We are the consumers, and we will drive those industries, and there will be many very inventive and innovative people who want to start companies and make money off of providing those products to the people. So we have to come back to our own self-empowerment that we have a lot more say in this than we think we do. Um, In terms of what PAX says about solar, um, PAX has said that solar tried to be the future and it turns out it's almost already obsolete. In terms of what could be available to us, everything that you mentioned is archaic to what we could be doing. And do enter earth, I'm actually going to hold up the book for those who are watching live video, Mm -hmm. because I know your audio and video. Mm -hmm. Do unto earth is like no other book or source of information that you're going to find anywhere else because the spirit world wants to tell us the answers to all of those things and has. And PAX gives us solutions to replace crude oil and fossil fuel. It is in this book. All the breadcrumbs are there in this book. So it's not just a book complaining about our environmental problems or pointing out what doesn't work. There are solutions and formulas in here and it's really mind-blowing the solution to interstellar travel at light speed we wonder why we haven't gotten past our own moon well we don't have that capability right now and the questions and the answers are in the book do unto earth to start exploring that to give this information to those 
physicists who are working on those things and say, here are the breadcrumbs, follow the yellow brick road on this information. And it's truly mind blowing, really exciting information. So, so in other words, uh, there will be a guy by the name of Cochrane who will develop warp drive, and the Klingon, the uh, Vulcans will be the first. <laughs> a lot of, you know, I I love Star Trek, yeah. and a lot of a lot of those wisdoms are are true. And you, oh, and, yeah. and we and we asked in the book that you know those people were channeling in their own way, and we all do. Yeah. We all tap into our sixth sense and our higher um, powers and our higher selves and our spirit guides. And so when you think of the writers of these movies and television series, they're getting a lot of that information from some truth that is in fact out there. Yeah. By the way, teleportation, according to PAX, will not be done as it is in Star Trek. It will be done and it is already <laughs> happening, but it won't require instrumentation or a machine. Yeah. It is a thought process. Ah. Well, you know, a uh, dear friend of mine who's been on this program, uh, Roland Foster, I worked with him at the religious station, and he and I were, we would avidly watch, of course, The Next Generation back in the 80s, early 90s. And he, he used to tell, yeah, he used to tell me that The Next Generation series was our modern day mythology. And I started watching it like that, and it was just amazing the things that came out to me uh, that I, I would start thinking about. It's just phenomenal. Let me There's, ask, uh, Carol, let me ask you, um, what is it that you have to do in, and, and again, I am not, uh, please, and since we didn't prepare for this, I'm not asking you to do this, okay? But I'm just asking uh, from a procedural standpoint, what is it that you have to do to prepare to allow uh, packs to come through you and is this a conscious or unconscious channeling the procedure to allow packs to come through me consists of my first clearing my mind um, and sitting in a quiet place asking for the presence of my guides asking for the presence of packs specifically to be with me now and uh, asking for only the information that will serve the highest and best good for all to come through me. I do a slight visualization of, of the golden cord coming down from the heavens through my top of my head and the energy coming up through Mother Earth, through my feet and uh, blending uh, within me. And I get a, um, a notice from Pax um, that he's here, uh, which is so interesting. Pax's signature is the infinity sign, um, which is like a, a figure eight turned on its side. Mm -hmm. Pax announces his arrival to me by a movement of my head um, towards my right shoulder and then back to my left shoulder and back to center, which is in fact a figure eight on its side, it's the infinity sign, and Pax is with me. The second part of your question is conscious or not channeling. I am in a very altered state only, so I can hear anything around me, like I could hear a radio if it was playing, I can hear anything and everything, um, and yet I am completely tuned in um, with spirit, when I'm working with individuals, I write. I do it in the form of writing, automatic writing, which is not my writing style. It is Pax's writing style. And over the years, it developed 
when I started doing different kinds of writing, that I'm able to channel directly at the keyboard, which speeds the process greatly. Mm. So it is a, for me, it's a question and answer with packs. Um, when I'm doing a reading for someone or when I am just channeling uh, a book um, on my own, it is question and then the answer comes through in the writing. It's conversational. Well, for a number of years, my uh, my present wife and I used to attend <clears throat> in Phoenix uh, a gathering once a month uh, who would uh, go to a woman's home uh, who I, I know fairly well. And uh, she would channel um, a collective called Equinox. And uh, there would be a message that would be given, and then uh, you'd have a ticket, and you'd ask your question and so forth. And, of course, the key, the one main question that was, all, that was always asked, if you didn't want to ask something specific, was, what messages do you have for me today? <clears throat> and it seems to me that... Uh, um, that is really a critical question to be asking uh, in terms of uh, the, the other side. The other aspect of this, too, is, and I, I realize that we're not talking about extraterrestrials here, even though, even though, uh, you know, you, you mentioned intergalactic travel, uh, Penelope. Oh, we are talking about extraterrestrials. We'll get there. Okay, well, here's the thing. A lot of people are really concerned, and of course the narrative now from the government is now trying to make us afraid of uh, aliens. They're, they're sort, of, sort of kind of acknowledging their existence by making us afraid of them. And I'm sitting here going, really? If they have intergalactic travel, we don't stand a chance if they were not benevolent. Of okay. Course. So in if, our book, it's just amazing to me the stupidity that exists <laughs> in the minds of some of these people to maintain their power and control over the citizenry. And it's like if you just would think this through, they don't they wouldn't they, they blink an eye and it's over. We, we, mm -hmm. we don't have anything to compare. And that's exactly what Pax says. So we talk about ETs quite a lot in okay. Do Unto Earth. And in fact, we find out that we can't talk about the environment in a comprehensive way without talking about ETs mm -hmm. because they are, they are, um, I say here to help us, but they're not here. They watch us to help us and they um, buzz by and they visit and have over history to see how our civilization is developing. And Pax has described in the book numerous conversations about our friendly intergalactic visitors. And so I finally asked, well, now, you know, some people are afraid of aliens. Are they all friendly? Because you only refer to them as friendly. And he says, in fact, they are. There are no ETs at all that are not friendly to us. And in fact, they are. Now, I'm going to drop a bomb on you, Richard. There are ancestors. <laughs> Well, let they me let me stop you there. And this is why they're friendly to yeah. us. Well, let me stop you there. And I'm going to share with you what my wife's conclusion is sure. about humanity. Every other species on this planet is where they belong or where they're supposed to be. Polar bears do not live at the equator and iguanas <laughs> do not live at the poles. All right. They are suited for the locations where they live. You notice that none of them wear clothes. Yes, they have habitats, but they use the natural surroundings for their habitat, as well as the food that they eat as well. Mm 
man is the only one on this planet who must accommodate himself with clothing and shelter in order to live in all of the diverse regions of the planet, which she says tells her, and I tend to agree with her on this, we are not indigenous to this planet. Correct. She's right. She's right. <laughs> and it's such an interesting point of curiosity that, in fact, it was my first question when we started writing Do Unto Earth. So I had this, you know, amazing opportunity to ask the God being, which is how Pax introduces himself, oh. anything. Could you imagine having the opportunity to ask anything and it all ties back to the environment and healing our planet which is a big subject and the very first question was we seem like we're aliens to this world as some people think we're aliens to this planet because we live so out of whack with the rest of nature mm -hmm. and it just doesn't it seem so yeah. i was not expecting the answer richard i was not expecting the answer to be in fact you are from light years away and this will be controversial. So that started the first chapter. And that is uh, the whole first chapter. And we speak about aliens. Uh, we also talk about what happened at Roswell, which is uh, extremely interesting. But to stay on this for just a moment, mm -hmm. that Pax says that we came from many different planets. And this explains how we look different. And there are different cultures and different ways that we look, different nationalities. And that we have had evolution on this planet, that we have been here as long as we think we've been here. So I ask about our anthropologists and that, you know, there's a lot of evidence here, Pax, you know, of our anthropological beginnings and um, evolution. There is a missing link and this explains the missing link. But those other fossils that we found, um, you know, Neanderthal and all of these, uh, you know, different um, stages. And so it's all explained in our book, Do Unto Earth, and that we came from different planets, in fact, from different galaxies, different solar systems, even different galaxies all over the universe. And that planet Earth was a very special place. So we like to think that we're special, even though we're not alone in the universe. Well, we actually are very special. That planet Earth was and is the planet Earth project. But the whole point was to bring different peoples together from different places, different civilizations, and to see how we will fare together, how we will work and live in unity. And we're still working on that today. You see that, you know, um, playing out right now, actually in this moment in history that we are still working on this unity. And the advice from PAX is that we embrace our differences, mm -hmm. that it is through our differences that we will make medical advances, that we will make um, advances in our spiritual evolution, in the evolution of our knowledge base will actually be through our differences. And if we can, in, you know, really appreciate the differences that each um, person and each culture has to offer that that will be, you know, our advancement in, in all ways, including, you know, health, um, education, planetary wellness. Well, um, there's a, a phrase or a saying I came up with many years ago, uh, primarily due to my own, uh, um, uh, visual impairment. I was born uh, legally blind, uh, had a lens implant in 1996, and now I am able to drive, which is a wonderful thing. 
But what I came up with before that lens implant, years before, and I was uh, surrounded by and worked with a lot of blind and visually impaired people and other people with other disabilities, as they were called. Uh, and I came up with this saying, if there is a difference that makes a difference, there is a difference. But if there is a difference that makes no difference, then there is no difference. And it seems as though right now in this country, let alone around the world, and I know this has been going on not just in the last five or seven years, but for, for decades, if not centuries, that that's all we seem to see is those differences. And I, I will share with you something that I saw on t I've been seeing on television of late in the last, I don't know, maybe nine or ten months. I have been seeing more people of color, various colors, on television and movies than I have ever seen before on television and in movies. And it has raised in me a greater appreciation for them and wanting to get to know them. I don't know if anybody else has picked up on that and including not just of color, but of age. I'm seeing more, more people uh, um, above my age. I'm 60 and I'm seeing, uh, for example, I'm seeing a lot of um, women's cosmetics and so forth commercials with women in their 60s, 70s who have gray hair, who have white hair. You never saw that kind of stuff before. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, isn't this wonderful on the one hand? You know, this is great that we're, you know, they're starting to understand we need to see everybody, not just a select few. For whatever the reasons why we were only seeing the select few, forget that. We need to see everybody. <clears throat> so that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I want to ask you in regards to this whole alien thing, though. Um, what about the reports that we have all probably read from time to time of the last five mass extinctions and some say we're headed for number six well you know pax has told us that we have eight to 12 years left for the wellness of planet earth before we reach that fail safe point which is that point of no return if we don't change our ways and change our trajectory so it's certainly possible Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to happen in terms of, um, I did ask, are we um, going to be hit by an asteroid? Are we, is there going to be a polar um, axle shift? And the answer to those things is no, but that you can um, destroy your planet and certainly mankind on the planet. The planet will eventually repair, Pax told us, mm -hmm. and the planet will go on. But will we go on? And that is up to us. That's the precipice we're at. Yeah. Then that's the question that, that I've asked. Now, how about this? How about this for a question? And maybe Pax has addressed this already. You've already kind of said this. I have raised the question based upon man's inhumanity to man as well as to nature. Does man deserve to continue as a species? And I'm not speaking of annihilation here. I'm saying one day, let's say December 31st of 2021, no more babies. That's it. That's the end of our species. When the last person is born, who, or the last person who, who, who is here or left, turn the lights out. Okay? Because that's it for humanity. Because we cannot get our act together. I'd use another word, but, you know. <laughs> I heard it. Okay? 
<laughs> what about yes. that? Well, the topic uh, came up in a couple of different ways. Um, one was I asked, why should God care about, I've got a, I'm sorry, I've got a cat on my desk. No, that's okay. We've had cats Trying on this program. Trying to get into my glass of water and you're going to have an emergency any minute. We, we had one um, too. And so I understand. I asked, why should we matter to God when we're so destructive to ourselves? Yeah. And Pax's answer was that you should, that it is, um, trying to think of the exact phrasing that it is that planet earth matters to to god but also that planet earth should matter to us i wish i had the exact phrase in mm -hmm. front of me but it was sort of putting it back on us that it wasn't you know why the question shouldn't be you know why does why do we matter to god but that we should matter to ourselves and our planet should very much matter to us and this is of course our mother earth and without this Mother Earth, this wonderful host as she has been to us, we wouldn't have anything. And um, there was another another phrasing that was asked also that you reminded me of when when you were speaking that also spoke to that. And um, I'll think of it, but I actually wanted to give Carol the opportunity to say um, mm -hmm. that sometimes when we're in interviews, a lot of the questions um, I will answer and Carol would explain why that is. Um, when she channels, and you asked um, the question earlier about um, conscious or unconscious during channeling, right, Carol, and yeah. that you don't remember the channeling afterwards. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to speak to um, that you don't remember the channeling afterwards. And then I'm going to think mm -hmm. of the answer that Richard was asking. Oh, about. yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it go is, ahead. It is true. Um, and, and it's, 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 I want to say it's an oddity, but it, it's really not. It's a physical thing. Once I've completed a channeling, I don't recall it. I have no recollection really of what I've written or what I've typed. And it is because as I channel, my conscious mind is not engaged. Um, I view it as, as the Pax wisdom coming in through the top of my head and out my fingertips. And I don't engage my conscious mind. Therefore, my memory is not engaged. And once it's done, um, it, it's I have to read the book again. So sometimes when Penelope and I are interviewing, um, she's talking about things that I have to run to the book and have a look at <laughs> because it didn't stay with me. So uh, I just recalled, Richard, what you were <laughs> um, speaking of memory. Um, overpopulation was also discussed in Do Unto Earth, and you talk about should there be a day <laughs> that we say, you know, no more having babies. And Pax says uh, that, you know, there, of course, there is a bearing limit on the planet. There'd be a bearing limit on any environment. Um, but that advanced civilizations, I said, well, how do they do it on other planets? And he said that advanced civilizations, you know, self-monitor their population. It's a form of higher consciousness to want to do that and that advanced civilizations you know don't have as many babies because they are more interested in the spiritual and their own personal development and their spiritual development and this is their great purpose in their life as it is ours and um it's okay to have children and have babies and have families of course but that it is something to think about that you know the more time that you would have to 
your development as a spiritual being that we begin to raise the consciousness of a population. So if you're looking for what do advanced civilizations do, they'd be very interested in raising the consciousness of a population because when we have higher consciousness, then we don't hurt each other. We don't hurt animals. We don't hurt the environment. No more wars. All these things go away like this when our consciousness is at that higher level. So it becomes extremely important and the higher civilizations more developed spiritually, they know that. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I, I understand, uh, I, I can't empathize or even sympathize with, uh, the maternal instincts of women to want to have children, but at the same time, that requires, as what you've just described, does require the raising of the of the consciousness, not just of the women, but of the men, too, and of our religious or philosophical institutions. I mean, there are at least two, if not three, of the major uh, uh, religions on the planet uh, that they say be fruitful and multiply as much as you can. And the only reason they're doing that is because they want to propagate uh, their particular faith. They want to keep it going. I'm curious about that aspect of our civilization. Uh, but before I do that, you're listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan. I'm here with uh, Carol and Penelope, who are the, uh, I'm going to say co-authors, even though Carol is the channel. Do Unto Earth. It's not too late. It's available. Uh, now, is the website dountoearth.com available? Yes, I have that website. It happens that my business is titled Do Unto Earth, and that was before this book came along. Ah. Um, so that's been can... longstanding. So I have that website. But our website together is paxwisdom.com, P-A-X, which means peace, mm -hmm. paxwisdom.com. I like that, paxwisdom.com. We will be linked to that website so that people can that's the one. continue their evolutionary process. Um I, I'm curious uh, if I can now uh, pull because I, I had like three or four questions that were circling around in my head and um, uh, and one of them will come out eventually. Uh, by the way, uh, this in, this program that I do regularly, the universe asks the questions. I'm just long for the ride. I, I want you to know that. And so whatever's whatever we've been talking about, I, I, I take responsibility, but I also don't take responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in terms of, of the, oh, that was it, the, the, the philosophies that we have, the divergent and sometimes oppositional philosophies that we have on this planet. Um, does Pax discuss those elements in terms of one day, maybe there will be like John Lennon sings about, imagine there's no religion and so forth. Cause really, if you want to get down to it, true religion is taking care of the children and the elderly and the infirm. It's taking care of our community, not proselytizing. That's not religion. In my, that's just in my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. But what about what about the the philosophical underpinnings of all of these different people or entities from all of the different parts of the galaxy who, who are now here? Can you answer that, uh, Penelope or Carol? Sure. I've been a little distracted by my cat. I'm so sorry. I've never had them do this during an interview before. There must be a lot going on spiritually. Um, philosophies of extraterrestrials. Um, Pax has a lot of talk about ETs because it becomes so important to 
our wellness as civilizations and our unity and the wellness of our planet, because again, these are our ancestors, according to Pax. We have a section talking about the artwork of extraterrestrials. They actually do art. You can see that in the crop circles that we've heard of. And this is actually art and play. And it's absolutely fascinating. Um, they have a sense of humor. So everything that you would think in terms of personality, so philosophical um, questions and debates and uh, knowledge seeking is their purpose is to expand their knowledge and to share their knowledge and to spread it across the universe. So absolutely. And I would go ahead, Carol, please. They want to share with us love. It's all about love for them, uh, which equates uh, across the board in kindness and um, getting along with each other and supporting each other, um, all of those things that we should be doing anyway. How did we then get, con I, I, I'm going to use the term, how did we get contaminated with all of this stuff that has separated us from that message of love? I think a lot of it is greed. Greed, but, because we want more than another person has. But did we have that back uh, when we were on these other planets throughout the galaxy before we were brought here? That's that's my question. I don't think so. Then, well, then so, so now I that so then I come back to my original question: How did we get contaminated with this mentality of of greed in this respect that separated us from love? Right. So now we're being philosophers because this is outside. <laughs> well, it's just it's outside know, of the Pax wisdom that came through. But Carol and I both are um, very interested in these things and can certainly answer these things from our own consciousness and our own beliefs. And I would say that I would imagine that when you put peoples from different planets into one planet, this planet Earth project, that you're naturally creating something that didn't exist on the planet of origin and that's differences. And so now you have this new element of differences that I would also say that it's reminding me of, you know, the philosophy of separation from the whole clearly. And when we're separated from the whole, from that source of all wisdom, from that source of love, we get incarnated into this human experience in this lifetime. There's a forgettingness of where we came from and our connection. And that's the, you know, that's where free will comes in. And it's our free will to behave badly. And it's our free will to have jealousy. And it's our free will to infight. And it's our free will to, um, you know, experience greed or on the flip side, love and all these things. So I feel that it is a opportunity for each one of us in our soul's journey to decide who we are. Um, and through that forgetfulness, that separation from the whole, we have an opportunity to create. And mm. the question is, what will we create? And so mm. we get to discover ourselves. You could think of God discovering who God is, you know, God separating out God. Here's the analogy. God's the ocean. We're a cup of ocean. So each separate cup of ocean together is the same stuff. We're made of the same stuff, but maybe not as powerful on our own, separated from it. And but really, that's, you know, that's what we are. So if God wanted to experience him or herself mm -hmm. as God, you might want to separate out from that wholeness experience and come into a physicality experience in which you can decide who you are. 
And through that experience of this lifetime, we decide. So we can get deep into philosophy, but I would say that it would make sense to me that putting peoples together from different planets would naturally create an environment here on planet Earth that is very special. You know, that's interesting because <clears throat> I have I have used the analogy uh, that I did not realize was actually true uh, in, a, in a manner of speaking, uh, that if God had intended for each one of us, 8 billion individuals, to live uh, sol solitary lives, I'm sure that there are enough class M planets in the universe that we would do that. However, the reality is, guess what? We're all here. And that implies, maybe more than just implies, that we're supposed to work together. Yeah. Now, is that now? And what's interesting is you say, hey, we're all from different planets. Our ancestors are all from different planets already. So in a manner of speaking, we were on d separate planets. Um, I'm, you know, and, and I don't want to start uh, getting into uh, too many of the details at this point uh, in terms of uh, who, you know, how was the selection made on each of these planets as to who was going to go and, and, and propagate this new Earth school place, what have you. But volunteers. It, well, okay, volunteers. And, and, of course, that's where the languages came from because each planet had its own language, I would venture. Yes. And they brought it with them. And, yes, and, covered in the book. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, get a copy of Do Unto Earth. It's not too late. Uh, we encourage you to go to, uh, uh, give me that, it's PAX, give me the website again. PAXwisdom.com. PAX Wisdom, very easy. Speaking of wisdom, before we have to close out our program, I refer to the, the, this, the ancient and sacred writings of, of the, of over the millennia here on this planet, which I would venture that maybe some of these volunteers brought with them. Uh, many of them speak of, there's this, this thread that runs through them that we, before we came into physical form, we were with the one, as you use the analogy of the ocean and a cup thereof. Uh, and that where we're going is back to the one. And yet we've chosen this place of duality. Does Pax speak to that aspect of our existence as spiritual beings uh, and that this planet and the things that happen here in a physical way, they really do matter, but not in the way that most people think? Mm-hmm. Pax speaks a lot about choice and has said that everything is a choice. So your birth is a choice. Your parents were your choice and your death is also your choice, that everything is a choice. And so I said, really, everything is a choice. And the answer was, yes, everything is a choice. It's really, really interesting. Reincarnation. What about that aspect? I mean, yes, it just seems like there are. I mean, if we were just talking about the earth, seven, eight billion people. Wow. You know, but I'm sure that the number of entities or souls or spirits or whatever pre and post physical form beings are, th there've got to be trillions or countless, infinite. Yeah. Uh, why would we need to reincarnate, you know, multiple times? You know, in turn, I, I, and I've heard explanation. Well, because we liked it here. We had great experiences. We're still learning stuff. 
uh, and I've, I've often wondered, why is it that God or the infinite or the force or the divine felt necessary to learn anything? Because I thought God was omnipotent, omniscient and omnipresent, uh, you know, and it's like, so the only thing that God never did was experience physical form? Well, you know, some people think that the purpose of life is to create. So we are here to create, not merely to survive. And the multiple lifetimes, Pax does address it in Do Unto Earth. It is the soul's journey. The physicality is the snap of a finger. It's a very short experience in the whole. So what we are is the spiritual. We are that soul that is on a journey. And there are from lifetime to lifetime, many lessons to be learned and development, spiritual development to be made, and also wisdom to impart missions to accomplish and purposes to pick up again in another lifetime. Mm. And that too is a choice. Exactly. Um, it reminds me of the scene in men in black where they've got this alien on the table. It's giant thing. And they pop open the head and there's this tiny little guy in there who's actually <laughs> running the machine. <laughs> and that's us. I mean, not in physical form, but you know, it's like, I used to think as a kid, and I'm talking six and seven and eight years old, I used to think as I'm looking out through my eyes that I'm inside this machine, this whatever, uh, vehicle, and uh, and I'm moving around and doing this kind of stuff, just like when we get in our cars, and uh, that the whole world is just here for me. I mean, that it, was... It is, yes, it's a, it's an interesting way of looking at it, for sure. We are so much more than this physical body. And I think we're really starting to wake up to that. I look at programs like yours, your podcast, and the many others out there, and you see how this is now becoming more mainstream, you know, to talk about this and to talk about our spiritual side, and that people in general are now more accepting of, we've turned that corner, you know, we've passed that sort of middle point of the idea of our continuation mm -hmm. from lifetime to lifetime the capacity and largeness of our soul and our true purpose and mission and it's just extraordinary as carol have carol and i have spoken to people all over the country and all over the world how people are waking up everywhere to the enormity of their soul and the longevity of their soul's journey and our interconnectedness to everything so this this conversation would have been very out there maybe even 10 or 15 years ago oh, yeah. and now it's so mainstream yeah and i have to tell you that uh i've i've been privileged uh to have been able to be part of the mainstreaming uh from the stamp and, and again I, I say this humbly okay in the 80s and early 90s when i was working for the christian radio station I was given from 7 to 8 p.m. to do interviews, which is where I really got my experience. I was doing interviews like this on that station. But we weren't necessarily using the terminology that we've been using on this program. I knew where uh, the owner and management and advertisers and programmers and listeners were coming from. So I used their vocabulary mm -hmm. to discuss. Yeah. And so I've been talking about this for over for four, over 40 years. And so I'm happy that, thank goodness, finally, it really is. By the way, uh, to the issue of aliens and what we talked about earlier, 
and specifically, there was a gentleman I met not long ago who wrote a book called A.D., After Disclosure. And he says in mm-hmm. his book that when the government finally does disclose that they are really out there, that it will change everything. And I said, well, you know, my first question to you in the interview, if, if we ever get a chance to do it, which we never did, my first question to you would be, after the governments of the world have been lying to the public for over 50, 60 years about whether or not there have been aliens, what makes you think that the people are going to believe the government now? They already know that there are aliens. And by the way, we were watching a documentary and I downloaded an app to this effect where the narrative is being put out there that they're enemy and so on and so forth. And there are people who are out there who are actively seeking contact. They want to connect. Is that something that is on the horizon for us? Because I'll tell you what, if I were given the opportunity, my wife feels the same way. If we were given the opportunity to climb aboard and go, we'd go. But they would have to allow us to bring our dog. (laughs) We do talk about this and do unto earth. A lot of your questions and curiosities were also mine and Carol's and we asked Pax. And disclosure, which is an event with a capital D, will happen at some point when the masses, you know, it just can't be hidden anymore. Um, The government um, hiding of aliens uh, visitation has been going on for a very long time, as we know. Pax confirms in Do Unto Earth that there was a crash at Roswell in 1947. And beyond that, that there was actually eight spacecrafts that arrived that day and one was shot down by the U.S. military. So it wasn't just a crash. Hey, we came all the way from another planet and another galaxy and suddenly in your airspace made a mistake and crashed. Not so. I told you to check the engine light. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, I mean, does that make sense? So no, it was it was shot down. And the intention behind that was to steal alien technology. Of course, they were coming to share their technology to help us advance in in many ways. And um, that put an abrupt end to that. And now they are wary of us. So we are the ones to be Uh, I wouldn't say feared, but we are the warring people. We are the unconscious people that operate, certainly our governments operating from a place of fear. And that is our thing, um, Mm -hmm. uniquely human and not what the aliens do. Um, They are friendly. They want to help us. And we can communicate with them. If you and your wife would like to do that, there's actually a conversation in Do Unto Earth that will tell you how to do that. And the way it is done is through your intentions. And um, one of the questions that I had was, you know, I'd love pick me, you know, I was the same way, Richard. I'm like, (laughs) I'll go pick me, you know, can I have a rendezvous with um, an alien? And Pax said, you know, actually, in a way you can, and simply by your intention for wanting to do so, um, can begin to make that happen and to hold pure intentions. So when you talk about the people who are actively calling in now, this contact with ETs, they're actually not only calling them in, they're successfully doing that. So if you do follow that at all, and there's plenty of people who groups who are doing that, and it's, uh, you know, it's sitting in a contemplation and an intention, holding intentions of love. It always comes from love, as Carol has reminded us um, very nicely several times that the basis of all of this, you know, opening up that contact, opening up ourselves in so many ways is through love. So we think loving thoughts towards them. 
I had aspects, like I was so saddened when I heard about our government shooting down that craft at Roswell and that one alien being survived for a period of time and later um, they tested on him and later he succumbed to his injuries and died. And I was so saddened by that, that I said to Pax, you know, I'd like to, can you send a message to their family? It wasn't that long ago, 1947, you know, they'd have relatives still alive today. Can mm -hmm. you send a message uh, that I feel um, on behalf of our human population, sorry, you know, for what we did. And Pax basically said, you already have, you know, by saying that, by putting out that intention, that it's all telepathic mm. and they know. So they know your thoughts, Richard, and your wife's intentions and your intentions all of these things are instantaneous for these advanced civilizations unfortunately that also brings us to a place where they know we are not to be trusted exactly. they cannot come and visit because we are a warring nation yeah. and a warring planet overall and only through some colossal good luck would they land someplace where people wouldn't greet them with rifles yeah yeah. Um, and they, they do hover, you know, they buzz by and hover. They're making their presence known to mm -hmm. certain groups. This is true. And Pax has told us that they buzz by, but they don't see anything that they want. So they don't stop. All they're doing is monitoring our development and our evolution. And, you know, just, just give it a thought here. If a spaceship landed you know, anywhere, the fear that is throughout the population that's been instilled in people would result in them being met um, with hostility yeah. and fear. And why would they do that to themselves? Um, so while Penelope's quite right, as individuals, we can communicate, but as a group, they're not going to be landing anytime soon. Yeah. I'm curious. One final uh, thing here on this on this issue: Is there a particular philosophy that? And again, I know they all come from different planets. I'm sure, but is there a universal philosophy? Love. Just love. Love and continual um, evolution of um, creating was another theme that came up a lot. So. Um, everything is about creating and spreading wisdom across the galaxy was another um, peace. Yeah. Mm. Spreading peace, spreading love, spreading their wisdom and knowledge and higher technologies to those who will use that for good. And that was made clear. In fact, we're being blocked. And I know we're kind of running out of time, but I just yeah. want to say that our technology for interstellar travel at light speed and other things like that. You think about the advancements in our energy sector are actually being blocked that we will not have these technologies until we change our ways, change our intentions. And there have even been cases where nuclear power, power plants have gone down spontaneously, uh, as it would seem. And these are all ways that ETs and the spirit world, by the way, have blocked our abilities to go further um, with our technological advancements. We will not get up into space beyond uh, our own neighborhood until we change our ways. And the other aspect of uh, traveling beyond, say, the moon to other planets like Mars, as one of the plans is, uh, 
it's one thing for exploration, uh, but it's a whole nother thing for exploitation and recolonization. You know, if we can't take care of the planet we live on now, what makes you think that in a in in a few thousand years, if we survive that long on another world, we will not have destroyed that one too? And it sounds to me like the ETs and the spirit world are saying, "Look, you don't get to come outside your playpen until you grow up." <laughs> Bingo. I mean, Pax, if you were talking to Pax right now, you know, Pax would say bingo to that. And I have to tell you that you are so good, Richard, at what you do. And um, we speak to a lot of people. And I just have to compliment you on how tuned in you are to this conversation. And so much of what you're saying is just so spot on and such insightful questions. But this is exactly what Pax says and do unto Earth that we would simply make a mess out of another planet. And so we yes. will not get there right now. You know, and when we do colonize, it will be to clean up planet Earth to relieve a population bearing. There you go. I, I have to share this uh, insight with you uh, in that regard, because when I, when I did go through my first divorce, I remember the, the, uh, the, one of some of the last words um, my wife, my ex-wife said to me, my former wife said to me, uh, about whatever issues she thought I had, that if you don't uh, work on and take care of those particular issues, you're just going to take them to the next relationship. <laughs> well, of course, whatever they were, I have worked on them, and uh, you know, and we're still together 20 years later. My new, my present wife, uh, and we've been through some some rough times. We're going through some right now, um, but I know that you know everything changes. Everything is it's an up and down. Uh, challenge uh, experiences I should say of learning and none of this is permanent I even talk about how you made this comment earlier and I say you know what we're here for less than a puff of smoke less <laughs> than a puff of smoke we are here and so we need to uh, make the best of what we have now working towards creating what we would like better in the future and that's why with this program we tell people we bring you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true we are looking for those new ways of living because just look around you the old ways they just aren't working and i i don't know about you i firmly believe and i hope pax is is supportive of this that it is possible that all eight billion of us can stop surviving and start thriving. And that's really one of my dreams is that everybody gets the chance to thrive in this world. Why is that such a horrible thing for, you know, we've had the class system across this planet for millennia. There should only be one class, the class of humans. True. You're so right. What a beautiful message. And, and Pax does remind us that this planet can provide for everyone. Yeah. You know, we're wasting our resources. You look at all of the wheat and corn going to feeding cattle, which we raise for food. You know, it is so out of whack. Yeah. This is not how it was intended. This planet has enough resources if we did it right. But there are those who say, uh, well, but the Bible says that we're supposed to subdue and subjugate the earth. Well, I think that's a mistranslation because you're speaking well, English. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it wasn't meant for us to uh, subjugate and subdue it and destroy and just use up everything. And mm -hmm. I keep wondering, 
as much of the fossil fuels as we've been using and burning since the Industrial Revolution, I'm trying to figure out, it's got to come to an end somewhere. I mean, we got to reach the bottom of that barrel somewhere, and, uh, and, and then we're going to be forced into something else. So why not start making that transition now? What's wrong with that? Exactly. Yeah. In the Bible, dominion, actually, that word used to be guardianship or stewardship. And over the many translations, it somehow came out as dominion. But, you know, in terms of fossil fuels, the the end of the planet will come before the fossil fuels will run out. So we need to change that. And do unto earth has a lot of solutions. Well, Do Unto Earth is available. You can go to PaxWisdom.com to find out more about both Penelope Jean Hayes as well as, as, well as Carol Seren Borgens. She is the channeler, and we thank both of you for joining us. Uh, Carol, I, I, I would have to say that on the one hand, your job is seems to me like it's the easy part because all you have to do is just drift away and let it come through you and then you come back and you don't remember any of it whereas uh penelope you know she's got to stay conscious and 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 put this all together in a in a in a cohesive and coherent manner that's true yeah i'm I'm just coasting you're just coasting exactly i i tell everybody though that you know we all to certain degrees can channel we channel our higher selves but carol has put in so many years of work to be at the level of channeling that she does Mm -hmm. and that I would encourage everyone that if they're interested in that and developing their sixth sense and their intuitive abilities to put the work in like Carol did. And we actually also have a chapter in the book about developing your own intuitive abilities. Well, we have a program we just did just recently with a local gentleman who does life between lives, uh, hypnotherapy and, and does past life regression and so forth. I even went through one of those to my last life before this one, where I think I was wearing a hat just like this, working on the prairie on a farm, farm caught fire. So I moved up to my cabin in the woods and on my day of passing, I come out, I sit down on the, uh, on the porch, put my feet up on the railing, tilt, tilt my head back and say, ah, this life was good. And I leave. I want to go the same way, but it's got to be another 40 years because I have to outlive my great grandmother who lived to be 100 and I'm 60. So I got another lifetime to do stuff. It is so. (laughs) And it will be. And hopefully we will get a chance to talk again because I know there's still a lot more that we can discuss because there are other books. These aren't just the three that you put out. You said there was a children's book. Correct. Two children's two children's books. And, and what other works would we find at PaxWisdom.com besides Do Unto Earth as well as the two volumes of The Likely Future? Pax wanted to speak about personal power, and we've done a small book called Personal Power Will End the Pandemic. And it's all about empowerment, teaching people that they have got the strength they've how to look forward how to adjust and how to um find their own way going forward into what will be the new normal and that it is not a scary place or time when this all started back in january when i first heard and then they were discussing what we were going to do and of course we shut everything down in march i'm going finally and I, I compared it to not not the virus itself, but the experience of the flu to the, the coronavirus. I said, finally, we're going to do something different. And that means that the end result is going to be different. 
because we would always do the same thing. Even when we got the flu vaccine for the influenza that circled the globe every year, we would do the same thing, which was virtually nothing. We'd still go to work and <laughs> get everybody else infected. Yep. And this yep. time we did something different. And I'm, and of course, Einstein's phrase came back to me over and over again. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, <laughs> expecting a different result. We couldn't yep. do the same thing with this. We didn't. And that means whether you like it or not, we're co- when we come out the other side of this, it's going to be different. And I am thrilled and excited about that. That's cool. It really it is. A, a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Major reboot. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story. We've been talking with Penelope Jean Hayes and Carol Serene Borgens. And we've been talking about unto, do unto earth. Go to Pax, that's P-A-X, wisdom.com will be linked to that website as well. You know, ladies, I have two, three final questions I want to ask of each of you. But before I do, I want to remind our listeners that we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. on this fine radio station, as well as the podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations you are reposting. You notice I had to take a big breath for that one because there are a lot of places. We're also on YouTube with the video cast, which is so cool. Uh, and in spite of the fact that I'm a one-man band, I love doing the editing of these programs. I, I never edit the interviews. It's just putting the beginning and the end on. And every once in a while, I'll throw up the, the, the book will be up in between us all. So everybody can see it and your website will be there on the video so everybody can see it and uh, they will be able to go to your website and so forth. And then they can sit and listen and watch us as we talk away and and have a great time. I also want you to consider helping us out financially by going to uh, richarddugan.com. We have links to PayPal account and a Patreon account for your security as well as ours. We also ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. We've got nine years to go, folks, and it can be a phenomenal nine years. Considering what PAX is saying, we've got eight, what is eight to 12 years to turn this thing around. And I think that uh, in, in spite of the fact that it might be, and I only use this from the size standpoint, it might be the Titanic, but we can turn it. Okay. We can turn it away from the iceberg. It is absolutely doable. So let's spend some time going within, getting to know ourselves, connecting with our higher self. Who knows? Maybe you'll connect with PAX too and, and, and all that good stuff. But please take the time to do that and also go to our guest website, PAXWisdom.com. So I'm going to bounce this back and forth between the two of you so that each of you will have an opportunity to think about your answer while the other is answering. So question number one. For Carol... Carol, who is Carol Seren Borgen? Borgens? Uh, she is a spiritual being having a human experience. She is a person who uh, lives on the west coast of Canada. Uh, she shows British cars, um, raises uh, purebred dogs, um, once lived, uh, owned a 104-foot wooden tugboat and tried to restore it for nine years, uh, has been um, in all kinds of careers uh, trying to find the right one, and the right one, of course, was Pax. And for you, Penelope, who is Penelope Jean Hayes? A seeker, first and foremost, um, 
a person who will never be out of questions, as Pax reminded me, a person who always wants to learn more and to develop my own uh, soul's journey. Um, I love animals very deeply, love the natural world and um, the animals of planet Earth, and have formulated my purpose um, around that, that the natural world and the animals of this planet are so very important to me that I couldn't give a self-description without um, speaking to that. Um, I'm a vegan. Um, I try to walk my talk. I am uh, a wife. I have an amazing husband. I'm so fortunate to have because I did spend many years uh, alone and um, wanting that true love relationship. And so I held out for that. Um, so that's very important to me. Mm. Um, just a person who loves nature and loves to meditate and sit next to some moving water. So now, Carol, you get to sit and listen to Penelope's answer while uh, I ask you, Penelope, what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? To raise consciousness. I believe that when we raise consciousness, and that could be opening up people's minds to new ideas, you know, for some people, what we're talking about here um, might be new in part or even the concept of channeling. So our books are, are channeled to be open to the idea that we have a higher self, that there is something that we're connected to that is infinite wisdom, that we all have the ability to raise our consciousness. And so my, my purpose is around that, that whatever I can do my part in helping to raise consciousness through the many modalities um, that I work with, that's the Viral Energy Institute, my work with Viral Energy, as well as the work that I do with Carol in writing the books with PAX, and that if we can raise the consciousness of other people around us and ourselves, that again, we start behaving better, we start living from a place of love, and not a place of fear. Carol, what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I would like to help inform people that spirituality is different from religion. There's a tremendous amount to be learned, to be gained, and not to be feared, to open people to the knowledge that we all have a higher self, a higher consciousness we can tap into. People can connect with their own higher powers. I, I great believer in trying to share with people empowerment is theirs everybody has the ability to um, make the right choices in their lifetimes not to give those choices over to an organization or even another person to awaken people to the needs of our planet earth right now and to help people to understand that each of us can make a difference in our life, in our family, in our village, in our global community. Mm -hmm. Each person is empowered. And to help people share in finding the enjoyment of that knowledge that they have a power 
if they have a purpose and a passion to match it to, then they are unstoppable. And our final question for the two of you, Carol, and you may have answered this, but I like to ask the question pointedly. What is your life's purpose? My life's purpose was revealed the day I was introduced to PAX. My purpose is to be the channel through whom PAX can share the wisdom that was intended for our world population at this time in our world history. And Penelope, what is your life's purpose? To emulate through um, my own life, um, love for the planet and for animals and um, to, again, consciousness raising is what I have always considered my life's purpose. And I like to, for for many years, that is, since I've been aware of that um, since um, my teenage years, but I like to refer everything back to that, you know, is this in line is this project in line? Is this book in line? Is this, you know, whatever it is that crosses my path, is this in line with that purpose? Does this help to raise the consciousness of the population? Hmm. Well, Penelope and Carol, thank you so much for joining us here on the program and introducing us to the book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late, available at PaxWisdom.com, along with other works that they've done. The two-volume set, The Likely Future, and we hope that uh, you will go to that website to find out more. And to the two of you, I thank you so much. This has been, uh, this is, I would say that though we've touched upon the issue of uh, um, uh, other species out in the universe on other programs, ever so slightly this is the first time we've actually really dove in and i tell you for the first 13 years of this program i stayed away from it because i just didn't feel at the time that it was maybe it just wasn't the right time i wanted to focus on things of a more spiritual nature but having talked with the two of you and do unto earth they're interrelated there there's no separation there's no distinction between the two it's all part of the whole so thank you for helping us and helping me to introduce this to uh, to our listeners and viewers thank you for having us thank you very much it's been a pleasure and i thank you for listening and watching tell me your story new paradigms for a new world we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true and until our next broadcast podcast, videocast, love to lol.